COPcast, 12 Days of COP. I'm presenter and journalist Peg Alexander, and in partnership with academic think tank, the Green Economics Institute, each day during COP26 in Glasgow, I'm having chats with people from around the world, looking at the big topics we need to get a grip of if we're to hit the Paris Agreement. We're going to cover a broad range of subjects. The chats are going to be short, informal, and hopefully inspiring and informative. And you never know, we might even manage some laughs along the way. I started working and campaigning on climate issues in 1989. Gosh, such a long time ago. Now the world has woken up to the fact that we don't have any time left. But are world leaders ready to accept that it's no more business as usual? Finally, I've made it up to COP, sitting in the cafe at the Green Zone, which is one half of the two buildings that make up the official COP. Blue Zone is where all the world leaders, where the official delegates, where all the negotiations going on. Green Zone is where a lot of the other action is happening. Now, what's brilliant is I'm with Professor Natasha Ratcliffe-Thomas. Natasha is an expert in sustainable and ethical fashion. You've been doing an event this morning, Natasha. Yeah, I have. Hi, Peg. Yeah, so I've been on a panel about social innovation and climate justice and talking really about fashion's role in that. Brilliant. How did it go this morning? It was fabulous. Um, we had a the panel was set up with questions from our students and alumni. We had Professor Muhammad Yunus joining us via a video link. Uh, we had the principal of the university and members of staff from the climate justice team and myself. It was great. You're at the British School of Fashion at the Glasgow Glasgow Caledonian University. Is yes, that right? I'm yep. at the British School of Fashion. It's part of Glasgow Caledonian University, and I'm based in the London campus normally. Great. So you get a trip up to Glasgow, which is really Did good as well. Yeah. Absolutely, and it's a pleasure to be here. Oh, brilliant! Now I know we've spoken before, and we kind of through social media because I know that you're really big on secondhand clothes and uh, that's what we've connected on before talking about sustainable fashion. The fashion industry is a major contributor to the problems that we're talking about at COP and in terms of hitting the Paris Agreement 1.5 degrees the fashion industry has to change doesn't it? It absolutely does I mean we were discussing on the panel just these types of questions and one thing I'd like to say is the fashion industry is an enormous one so it's difficult to make generalizations because we've got huge multinational corporations and we've got right down to sort of as individual dressmakers at home maybe and small designers and, and in the UK we have a lot of small and medium-sized fashion businesses as well but I think one of the things that we haven't been um, so aware of is the impact of our consumption mm. so we fashion's been a pleasure a lot of us you know express our identities through fashion but more recently we can't escape the negative social and environmental impacts so fashion is a hugely extractive industry it's based on you know using up materials half of our clothes probably are made from polyester which is actually a plastic so it's a derivative of petrochemicals um, a lot of the other processes like growing cotton can be extremely detrimental to the land if it's not done responsibly so really fashion has a lot of um, room to improve let's put it that way there's, I mean there's no way around it there's been an awful lot of greenwashing going on hasn't there uh, within the fashion industry I was listening to something the other day we were talking about bamboo clothes bamboo fabric and it was saying so we're all going oh it's made of bamboo brilliant and then someone said actually that's worse you know we kind of 
yeah, we're, we're getting all these messages about ethical stuff, green stuff, but maybe not thinking about how much the person who sewed it's been paid, or like you were saying, the growing of cotton. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to me that I think initially the talk in sustainable fashion, first of all, it was a very niche conversation, and a lot of people just sort of, I suppose, wrote it off as a bit of sort of... I don't know, eco or green fashion has seen a bit hippy-dippy or something. That conversation has come to the forefront, but it's often focused on materials rather than processes. So actually, you know, one of the things... In the UK, we've been really successful with our high street, but we've also been, unfortunately, a bit too successful in driving the fast fashion model. So now people expect clothing to be very cheap. They don't really want to pay much for it. I mean, in the UK, we have very cheap food comparatively. We have very cheap fashion but that's often at the cost of low wages of someone you know either in other parts of the world or as we found out you know with some of the scandals closer to home even in Leicester so we can't escape the sort of sweatshop conditions and I think you know it's really something that fashion people who love fashion want to deal with that because they don't want to work in an industry that is exploitative and extractive absolutely I mean and, and you know that thing about People, I mean, to me, I can't get, I cannot get my head around this. Okay, right, I'll be totally honest, and I realise that you know, I'm, I'm over fifty, all of that. I can't get my head around it. When I've got an item of clothing that I really like, I want to wear it over and over and over and over again because I love it. Loads of people will only wear something once or twice. I mean, there was a whole thing I heard about. Isn't it wonderful that somebody who was it? It might have been. Uh, Prince uh, Kate, I'm not sure. Someone had worn something that they'd worn two or three times before, and you're thinking, God, this is crazy that we're celebrating that. And I think that's a really interesting gendered thing. I remember when Michelle Obama was in the White House and she came towards the end, you know, of, of President Obama's, you know, presidency. And she was saying that every time she appeared in public, you know, she had to have a new look and she was scrutinised, you know, from head to toe. But that Barack had actually worn the same tuxedo to every event for, you know, eight years or whatever and no one had ever batted an eyelid. So yeah. I think, you know, there's the societal pressure, particularly on women, to, to wear new and different things. But also there's that pressure that comes through social media. And I think a lot of younger people feel that pressure that if an outfit's been on the grid you know it can't appear again although I would say there's now a whole body of people who are re-wearing things yeah. and celebrating that so I mean that is a, a positive there yeah yeah I mean obviously there's um there's a great quote somebody put in a, in a another documentary I made about sustainable fashion which I love the most sustainable item of clothing is the one that you already own the one that's in your wardrobe absolutely and I think the thing is because of fashion a lot of people feel like well if I need sustainable fashion I'd better go and buy some sustainable fashion rather than actually reflecting on what you already own or maybe having a clothes swap so those have become really popular recently in fact I'm going to a birthday party clothes swap Are later you? on this week um, and I think you know if you've got friends of a you know similar age shape size whatever or even yeah. different uh, I mean that's it bring your things along because actually you know one person's trash is another person's treasure quite yeah. often that is such a good idea let's bring it back to the clothing industry what do they need to do, Natasha? I think they need, first of all, I think they need support in understanding the impact. So we need transparency, we need to understand the impacts of materials and processes, but we also need some responsibility in terms of what happens to the goods once they leave the store. So at the moment, we've got an industry where, you know, once you or I have purchased something, there's no responsibility. But that is going to change. There's going to be extended producer responsibility in the same way that you might have for your fridge or something. You can't just dispose. But I think also we need um, 
accountability, but also let's reward good behaviours. Let's reward the businesses and the people who are doing a good job. And I think there's not enough of that. And I'd really like to call on the fashion media to celebrate the more positive stories in fashion and not kind of support the... Um, I'm on a rant today about fashion billionaires. No more fashion billionaires. There's enough money in the fashion industry, but it's not distributed equally. So I think it's looking at the processes, the materials, the practices, and actually trying to get things more locally produced. There's some yeah. really interesting initiatives because in the UK. Because that's one of the things we haven't mentioned. I mean, this is such a global, you know, the, 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 what do we call the supply chains, aren't they? And the production lines are so global in the yeah. fashion industry. I mean, what's happened in the last few decades is we've had a race to the bottom where people yeah. have chased cheap labour around the world. And don't get me wrong, because fashion can be an industry that can really help countries industrialise and emerge. So we don't want to, you know, take the, pull the rug away from emerging economies. But there's definitely room to simplify supply chains because when they're simpler, they're more transparent. We can see what's going on, absolutely. Yeah, because that's obviously one of the other things in terms of making decisions as a consumer. Sometimes it's really hard to know, um, to know, you know, what actually is going on many 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 eons ago i used to run a campaigning organization and this is a long time ago so this is a story from from times gone by so i have no idea whether this would apply now but um i used to run a campaigning organization for women who did peace work at home and i remember seeing this somebody was packing tights and they would get a big carrier bag full of uh, knotted up tights and their job was to smooth the tights out and put them into the envelopes some went into envelopes for a high street supermarket and were sold for, I don't know, 30 pence, something like that. Some went into envelopes for your very, very high end and were maybe sold for 20 pounds. They were the same times. That's a great story. I mean, I think there are some, definitely some practices. We, I think in the past we've, we've demonised fast fashion, we've demonised high street, but people need affordable clothes. Um, but we haven't so far scrutinised the luxury sort of brands and the high price points and sometimes it could be the same materials and processes yeah. exactly as you've said but I think that really is changing now. There's a lot of campaigning organisations, people like Fashion Revolution that are asking who made my clothes yeah. and, and what's in my clothes, you know, what they're yeah. made from. So I think you know, we are seeing that emerging. Yeah, that transparency becomes really important. I mean, how, how much of this is, just to finish off, how much of this is about individual consumer choices and what we choose to do with our clothes, how much we choose to mend them, how much we choose to buy second hand, how much we choose to wear them and how much of this is about system change. I think people, there is a whole bunch of people who want to be more conscious consumers so let's make that easier for them. I may be naive but I also think if the industry provided us with well-made, long-lasting clothes with a good ethical footprint then we wouldn't have to, we wouldn't have to be fashion activists. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, so, so, so a bit of both. Um, I, 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 I hate to say this because I finish every podcast by saying I could keep talking for more and more, but 10 minutes has passed on my recording, uh, on my recorder, so uh, we're going to have to end it there. Um, let's keep talking. Every Friday you post a picture of yourself I on do. social media. My fashion Fridays. Your fashion yeah. fr just tell us about the Fashion Fridays. Yeah, I think when I started in my new job actually at the British School of Fashion and I started using Instagram and I just thought it was something really like a bit of fun. I work for the British School of Fashion in Fashion Street. My, my Twitter and Instagram is Fashion Natasha, so the Fashion Friday started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you wear some fabulous, fabulous oh, outfits. Are they all retro second hand or 
majority actually and it's not really it, actually it's not a conscious decision that I made that it's just I always I like unusual things when I was younger I didn't have any money so that was and I also liked historical you know clothing so it's sort of a bit of both in the mix there keep it up thank you yeah, go, go to Instagram and follow the Fashion Fridays thanks so much for listening I'm Peg Alexander at TV Radio Peg on social media. Tune in tomorrow. I'll be chatting to another great guest. You can also check out greeneconomicsinstitute.org.uk. Yeah.